0: This is reformers, the gritty details behind the world's greatest bootstrap success stories. Today, we're excited to share our interview with Chris Mead, the founder and CMO of CrossNet. CrossNet is a new sport that combines the best elements of Foursquare and volleyball. Chris founded CrossNet with his brother in 2017 and has built it into a rapidly growing sport with tens of millions in revenue, all while raising no outside capital. In this interview, Chris shares his incredible journey, including key insights and lessons learned that can be implemented in your own business. Without further ado, please welcome Chris. What up, bro? How are you? Hey, how's it going? It's going. Really appreciate you taking the time. Been an admirer of yours from afar on on Twitter and just following the story, but uh, figured it would be fun to dive into some of the details. I appreciate it, bro. So I thought we'd start off by hearing a little bit more about your background before founding CrossNet.
1: Yeah, let's do it. Uh, Before Carl I grew up in a small farm town called Woodstock, Connecticut. Um, One stoplight, one restaurant that only sells chicken tenders. About 35 minutes to go get gas, an hour to go to the movie theater. Like, yeah, super farm town. And uh, had dreams of becoming a horror movie director. Went to school to, went to film school. Worked my whole life to, like, become this famous movie director and graduated college with, like, $100,000 in debt. And I was like, shit, you can't do that and live in Manhattan and have loans. Uh, so quickly gave up on that film life and started getting into, like, commercial and radio sales. And it was like, all right, like kind of blends my passion for for media and a little bit of business stuff and, and pays the bills. And then we'll segue back to movies. And here we are, twenty eight years old never got back to movies but maybe one day (laughs) you should make your own documentary right yeah one day and
0: and one thing that i found really interesting about this uh interview in particular is everyone on this podcast has created a company and some have created a category but i'd say you've taken that to the next level and have created an entirely new sport yep can you talk about the difficulties of that, especially as it pertains to being CMO? Like, How do you actually market and educate initial customers in an entirely new
1: sport? Yeah, bro. That's, that's like the big, uh, my big overarching mission for CrossNet, right? One, make it a global sport, Olympics, all that cool stuff is great. But I, my job's not done until you look at a CrossNet and you're not like, what the hell is that thing? Because when you, when you see a basketball hoop, you're not like, you don't look at your girl and be like, what is that random hoop thing? Like, you just understand the rules. You understand how to do it. Like, there's no question mark. Uh, right now with CrossNet, there's just question marks. Like, what is that thing and how do I play it? And they're like, oh, maybe I've seen it on Facebook before. Maybe I saw it in Walmart before. Uh, so there's a lot of education. And so a lot of our emails, a lot of our SMS, a lot of our marketing strategy is how do I play and how do I play the right way? Cause if you're playing the wrong way, you're probably not having a great time. And then for the hundred people that are watching you play, whether they're driving by or they're at the beach or at the park, they're going to see you having a shitty time and then they're going to be less inclined to, to buy it. So educating them to play the right way is the most important.
0: And I understand how you do that on channels like online or SMS yep. or things that you control.
1: When you think about your retail experience, because you do have retail presence, like physical retail presence, yep. how do you do it in store? It's tough. Uh, It's very important to make sure that our product packaging uh, is very straight to the point. What's the game? How do you play it? How quickly can you set it up? And where can you set it up? And then on our retail packaging, which we should have done three years ago, uh, and COVID's kind of helped QR codes be a little bit more back in fashion. uh, We have a learn to play right on the box. Nice QR code, not too in your face and COVID-ish and literally just says, learn here. So we have customers literally walk up to a box if they haven't seen it uh, and they can scan and learn right in the store.
0: Did you steal that from someone else or is that something that you came up and
1: it's actually quite genius? No, I I think there's not one brand I could think I've stolen off of in in all reality. Um, And then another thing that we work with retailers, some retailers will give us a television space. So they'll run our uh, how to play video. Like Shields is a good partner of us in the Midwest we'll run our how to play video on a loop and then they'll have a cross net set up inside the store. And so they will have like a whole like demo section, which is dope. Wow. Love that. Actually, there's
0: a perfect segue into the topic I wanted to discuss, which is your marketing campaigns and techniques in general. I've been very impressed with how forward thinking your strategies are, you know, just some recent examples of things I saw. Um, You were one of the first companies to pounce on the NIL rule change with college sports. Yep. Um, you did an official partnership with USA Volleyball, and I also saw that you were on ESPN, I believe, 8 The Ocho. Yeah. Can you talk about your marketing strategy and like how that's evolved from
1: the early days until now? Yeah. Um, I don't think anybody at our company thinks of themselves as a marketer. It's just how do we get CrossNet in the hands of more people and more people looking at it? How, how can we get eyeballs, right? And how can we turn it from – This is Chris's volleyball net he invented in his mom's backyard. So this is cross net, a global real sport. Um, And it's how do I professionalize that? And it's kind of like leveling up. You go from the Huffington Post. First, you go for a little blog, right? The the Woodstock Villager. Then you get the Huffington Post logo. Then you get the Forbes logo. Uh, So for us, like going after that USA volleyball logo, that couldn't have been a more legitimizing stamp. This is no longer a DHgate product or something you saw on a Facebook ad. This is USA Volleyball, AKA like the NBA supporting our company. Uh, so having that stamp made makes every, like, just means so much to us and really mean like just a badge of legitimacy. And then with NIL, great opportunity uh, of college kids. I don't think back to college. So I was scrubbing dishes and uh, I was a pizza boy. So like, would I rather play CrossNet on the quad with my friends and got paid 200 bucks a month or serve pizza? Like, I'm taking CrossNet all day, right? So uh, we got 217 athletes as of this afternoon all on uh, content retainers. So they're anywhere from three to six-month retainers. Some are even longer. And essentially, they're creating content for CrossNet. Uh, our marketing team is always getting content to run paid ads on and organic, of course. And then they're creating a, a campus environment. So setting up CrossNet at the quad, creating tournaments, embedding it into their, uh, into their volleyball programs and making it a training tool. So it's just really making it a, a part of the campus life.
0: And can you talk a little bit more about like how you made that decision to go after this so quickly? Because if I think about USA Volleyball or ESPN, I might be wrong here, but those are probably long-term
1: conversations. Yeah. Like,
0: the NIL thing, you sort of turned on a flip of a
1: switch. Oh, bro, yeah. We had like 100 players signed in like 15 days. Um, <laughs> so, Yeah, we, uh, we were in a good position, right? Because we had already, uh, I feel like a lot of company, not a lot, every D2C company, you have two options. You could pay an influencer to make a nice video, or you could pay a film company uh, to create a nice video for you. Uh, I've always gone the route of having the influencer and in our space that influencer is a volleyball player because too many times we've paid a film crew a thousand bucks to make a video and they sucked at playing cross net. Right. So I'm like video shit. I can't even use it. Uh, But if I use an influencer who's a volleyball player, the content might be just a little less sexy. The video camera might not be as good, but their gameplay is going to be awesome and that's going to sell units. So we had already had retainers with professional volleyball players and it was sometimes 500 bucks sometimes it's a thousand bucks a month annual contracts from the biggest names in volleyball and uh we literally just applied that strategy boiled it down to like what would be fair college rates and uh just applied it across the board and then one application turned to 50 applications turned to 200 so now uh these, these players, the college players, are much more affordable than the pros are, right? So instead of having to shell out tons of cash for them, we brought a full-time hire on to – it it's like a junior hire, but she manages everything. Uh, she manages all the con- the conversations, all the content submission, uh, making sure they have links to posts so they could get make money off the sales and all of that. So we've built a whole athlete program. It's called CrossNet U, and her official job title is the CrossNet Dean. <laughs> I love that. Yeah.
0: And when you think about how you want to scale this program going forward, do you think it's something that has long-term legs or is it sort of a spur of the moment, hey, like this is what's in vogue and you know maybe yeah. the next strategy is something with NFTs and the next strategy is something with yeah. I'm just curious how you think about more trendy and timely marketing versus long-term strategic marketing
1: yeah i I definitely think this has legs because one you get a new wave of college players every year which is dope um my ultimate goal is to have cross net be a legitimate sport at every school whether like i want to build a whole flywheel right you're six years old you go to elementary school you learn touches on a cross net you go into high school you play in gym class and then you play at your after school program And then hell one day it's even a college college thing right now. We're an intramural sport at like 50 schools like you at university of North Carolina, like massive school that I would never get into. They, uh, (laughs) they have as their intramural program, which is just wild. So if we could get these players, these popular players, right? Student athletes by nature are pretty popular on campus. You have them set it up in the middle of the quad. You have people having fun with it. Now we're in the intramural program. Oh damn. The intramural program has to buy six nets. Um, and it just becomes a revenue cycle. Yeah, that's really smart. I mean,
0: I would love to see uh, my kids growing up playing this. So right. I hope I hope it becomes reality. Yeah, I do too. Shifting gears a little bit, I was looking at your team and, and most interestingly or most notably uh, saw that your co-founder is your brother. Yeah. A lot of people would say that's really risky. You're mixing not only, um, you know, business uh strife but also potentially personal and you know out of work out of office strife Mm -hmm. um but you guys have seemed to excel as co-founders can you talk a little bit about that experience and um how you had that conversation early on as to whether or not this was a good idea
1: yeah i think we've always gone into business together just growing up um like our backstory dad passed away when we were young kind of had to fend for ourselves to like keep the lights on and pay the rent so it was like always like this entrepreneurship like let's survive and make as much money as possible to like help mom out so it was it was never like oh I have this idea you, you can't be involved right so why not do it with your best friend and the coolest thing about it is like just the honesty I don't know like probably most people listening have been in situations where they can't like really speak their truth or they hold shit in. And then it boils up like if I'm pissed off or if I have a good, I- if I have a, an idea in general, I can say it. And it's like, quote unquote, a safe space. And if he thinks it's shit, like it's shit and we'll move on. But if it's a good idea, like we get it established. And I have something to say, like he listens and, and vice versa. So uh, it's good to be able to build with somebody you love and also somebody that uh, knows has your best interests in mind and how did you decide on division of labor early on i
0: see you know he has a ceo title you're were you just more marketing oriented he's more sales oriented or no
1: so i was more so i I handle all marketing and sales um greg kind of just dabbles in between all the jobs so he just kind of took the ceo he was he he's always been the one to do like more the legal and boring llc legal zoom paperwork so that's been more his role where i was more on the sales and marketing and then our other co-founder is the engineer so he ended up taking charge of uh, the COO title. Got it. Yeah. But it was uh, everyone, everyone just do what you can. And for us, like, I think why CrossNet's become so successful is just none of our co founders step on each other's toes. Like, we could go weeks at a time without talking to each other. Not that we need to, but like, everyone does something uniquely different. And then there's never a time where people are fighting because two people are trying to do the same damn thing.
0: It's an amazing situation because I've seen a lot of co-founder relationships, especially within family go the other way. so yeah, exactly. really it's really cool to hear that. Yeah. Um, one thing on your on your role in terms of sales and marketing that I wanted to dive into is just the concept of retail and, yeah. and selling not only D2 C, which again is you know one of those things that's in vogue today, but also through other channels, which I think is so overlooked um, in brands, especially early on. I see that you're sold in Walmart, or around Walmart.com, Target, Target.com, Dix. You mentioned Shields, et cetera. Yeah. Um, when did you get started in retail? Yeah,
1: 20, end of 2018, early 2019, we got started. And now we're in, a, I'd like to say, over 3,000 stores. Wow. Yeah.
0: Can you can you talk about
1: how you landed that first account? Yeah, I uh, I added the buyer on LinkedIn because I had no other idea. Uh, so and people I, say LinkedIn is worthless. Bro, LinkedIn has built CrossNet into the empire it is today. Without LinkedIn, we'd be screwed. Um, yeah, so I, I I came from a corporate job uh, where my whole job was setting meetings with CEOs and CMOs of Fortune 500s. And I kind of had to get crafty, right? Like, I'm 24 years old, hustling in New York, right out of college. How do I get somebody to respond to me? Uh LinkedIn, they're probably not going to get as many touches, at least back then in 2016, they weren't getting as many touches as they probably are today. Uh, So I'd have to create like good tailored messaging that would like at least elicit some type of response. So that's what I did for the buyer at Shields, uh, which is like a Midwest store, 35 locations or so. And I got him to buy 16 units, which was back then like the biggest deal in the world for us. And uh, yeah, he accepted for two stores. And then eventually we sold out of those two stores and he asked to get a few more. And I said, bro, if I lower the price for a few bucks, like will you go nationwide? And he said, sure. <laughs> so we got, <laughs> we got nationwide.
0: Wow. Yeah. And and did you then take that data and use that to
1: leverage other retailers or how was the, and did it get easier? Or was it just sort of a snowball effect? That's exactly like exactly what I was saying before the USA volleyball thing was we took that logo. It wasn't, there's no data to be had. It was, I took the logo and I then, put a cold message out to the buyer at Dick's and said, yo, we're selling at this store. Can we do Dick's? And then I did the same for Academy and I'll I'll always remember I was in a meeting, a a good ask for people trying to get into retail, start with smaller accounts. Cause when you go to the big accounts, you're going to screw yourself and there's going to be a lot of issues you run into. Uh, But also if, if they have a hundred locations, ask for 10, don't ask for all a hundred, like be a reasonable person, you know? So I went, I went to a meeting in Dallas, my only buyer meeting I ever went in person and I had a slide deck and my ask was to start in 10 stores. And I, uh, right before I got to that slide, she's like, yeah, we'll start you nationwide with 270 locations. I was like, all righty, well, we will close that PowerPoint and we'll not get to that slide.
0: Well, that's a great thing to hear but I'm sure you're also a little bit scared because can fulfillment, yeah, you know, come through. Exactly. So how do you handle the back end now? Do you, did you already have you know, the proper manufacturing set up or yeah. was it sort of a hustle bustle
1: to get it in place? In our situation, thank God we did. Um, we were sitting on a ton of inventory at the time. Uh, and the best thing is just build rapport with the buyers and, and let them know about lead times. Um, buyers now are way more up to date with the global trade situation and stuff sitting at ports for days. But back then we wouldn't... Uh, we wouldn't try to eh. – my, my job as a salesperson and trying to make us profitable was let me create as many supply chain hiccups for my team as possible because I'm selling this damn thing so fast you need to keep up. And that's, that's been kind of like our relationship, the CEO and me is like I'm going to sell as fast as possible. You're going to fulfill as quick as possible uh, and we'll keep trying to build this thing up. And it was all self-funded. Sold one unit, bought two. Sold two, bought five and just kept it going.
0: And on the self-funded point, because one of the, the core things about this podcast is it's focused on the best bootstrappers in history. Yeah. How did you fund the business outside of you know, profitability? Did you have money saved up? Did you take, did you take loans?
1: Yeah. So we uh, started the business uh, with about 15 grand, give or take. We then took all of that money and we put it back into the business. And our, our first purchase order was for like 100 units. We then rebought 250, rebought 250, bought 500. And I remember the biggest like pinch ever was we went from 500 units to 2,500 units. And that really cash strapped us for a while. Um, but no, I, we all had like a runway of three or four months to live. And then we would do like up work and side hustles to, to pay the bills while we were becoming like more and more profitable. And yeah, just this year, actually, sorry, just last year. We got a, a JP Morgan credit facility loan, but not to date. Like historically we've literally just reinvested the company's money time and time again.
0: And I know how that works for inventory, but how do you think about hiring and building out a team?
1: Yeah. Eventually we just made enough money and we started hiring. So yeah, so our team's up to 24 people now. Uh, but for the longest time we did it all with like four folks. So what we've kind of done this year is we had uh, in 2020, we had a pretty nice uh, profit margin that we were proud with. And we said, yo, we're going to take some con- concessions on that margin this year to build out the team and build out the infrastructure. Uh, that way, the year following, uh, we'll be in a, a much better revenue situation. So this year has been a, a little bit concession on profitability to build out the team. Uh, but now the team could do stuff on the fly, like build CrossNet U in less than 20 days, you know, so that's shit we'd never be able to do. It's unbelievable. It's really impressive. Yeah. But I mean, profitability is the biggest thing, dude. If we don't do a single thing for losing a dollar, like I never went into business to lose money. I'm not going to raise money and burn other people's cash so I could do cool shit. Like it's, it's got to be profitable. Otherwise, we're not doing it.
0: And are there certain metrics, in, you know, aside from profitability, but yeah. more short-term or maybe more widespread metrics that you use as North Stars to make sure you guys are running efficiently? Uh, so
1: we use a thing called the MER. Um, which essentially is we compound all the money that we spent in the week versus all the money that we made in the week. And we have a number that we try to hit. And if we hit that number, uh, we're good. And if we hit that number by a ton, then we didn't spend enough ads. And if we didn't like, yeah, so it's pretty much a a threshold that we check weekly. And if we see a numbers at a uh, certain uh, number, we gas it up and we throw more money into the marketing funnel. And if we didn't hit our numbers, then we kind of reassess.
0: I love that. I'm going to steal that for some of our companies.
1: Yeah. So uh, Facebook's made it complicated. So we used huh. to have all these other ways to look at it. And now it's just money in versus money out. And the retailers send their report once a week. We throw all the sales into a report. How'd we do? And then, uh, yeah, we assess. And are most of your marketing
0: dollars going towards trade spend at this point? or No, nah, dude, we don't
1: have any trade spend.
0: So you where is just Facebook
1: it's and Facebook. Instagram? Yeah, we we legit have almost no no trade spend at all. Um, we get end caps just because we're cross net and because we've built a, a great product, people want us, uh, which is awesome, A great feeling. Um, yeah, it's mostly just brand, brand, brand. I kind of made it. I don't. I don't want to say I made a mistake. This year was all about testing uh, different channels and trying to diversify off Facebook. We tried billboards. We tried. Uh, podcast reads we've tried uh connected television youtube ads uh we we burnt a lot of cash this year on on experiments and i think ultimately what's come down to is get back to what was working uh and those are paid paid digital ads uh sadly i mean the billboards are great and they create great content but we didn't really see it move the needle for us this year in terms of experimenting i saw
0: and maybe this is not an experiment but i saw you did some sort of partnership or maybe even invested off the balance sheet of personally into U ball. Yeah. Yep. Can you talk a little bit more about that and your ambitions perhaps outside of just Crossnet
1: and and sporting? Absolutely bro. Within the next few months you'll see some pretty major announcements, but uh, we're creating a company called cross sports, uh, which may or may not be public at this time, but whatever. Now it is Uh, essentially our entire goal is, Become a juggernaut in the sports, like change the way sports are made, like sold. We want to innovate. We want to create innovative sporting goods products uh, for years to come. We grew up buying Franklin and Wilson and Spalding, and they're the same old companies since I was one years old and you were young. Like it's time for a change, uh, and we wanted to be that person. So we have the manufacturing, we have the supply chain, we have the, the marketers, we have the sales team. Uh, We're going to just leverage all of those uh, big box relationships and keep building out that cross net and cross sports section in the store, which I'm pumped about Uh, in regards to your initial question about U ball. Amazing game, uh, portable basketball hoop just seems like a no brainer. Uh, The guy over there, Tim Shields is a good friend of ours and he's just had some crazy traction so far. And it was a project I knew I wanted to be involved with for a long time. So yeah, we, we, Give him some cash for some equity. Uh, we clearly got a good thing going with CrossNet, so we're kinda gonna give him some of the the ins and outs and the secrets to help you ball kind of explode too.
0: Love it. I'm really excited to see what what else you guys come out with. Appreciate it. So I wanna end this with a little bit of a different format than I usually do, which is talking about some of your your tweets because I mentioned earlier I do follow you on Twitter, find you both very amusing but also very informative appreciate it uh, as well as inspiring thanks so i'd love to just get your thoughts on a couple of different uh topics and regarding things you've tweeted about let's do it <laughs> so first one was a tweet about you emailing all of your employees and canceling all internal meetings oh hell yeah you basically said it's a waste of time and let's do something different yep. so can you talk about the background here and,
1: and how this uh how this occurred Bro, we were simply just meeting. Like we were just meeting like eight hours a day, and it's like nobody's getting work done because you're just sitting there doing meetings. And it's like, all right, less meetings, more work. So like a perfect example today was like, uh, I keep seeing Instagram stuff go on on our newsfeed, and I don't even know what's going on. Or like for example, nine eleven. Right? We didn't have a nine eleven post in the in the funnel, and I'm like, yo, that's a huge mistake. We should have had a nine eleven post. So instead of me on 9-11 having to go make a post, like our social team should have had that well thought out. So normally we'd have a meeting about it, but this time it was just an email. So stuff like that, just save time, less meetings. Do you have any meetings? Oh yeah, I got, it. sadly I do. Uh, <laughs> I had a, a weekly head coaches meeting where it's just like the executive team we meet for one hour. And then I got a weekly product development meeting where we just go over cross sports products. But besides that, it's, those are my two standing meetings that I have every week. And then I got a, I got a meeting at 10.30 at night for wedding planning with my fiance. Yes. <laughs> that's the, the most important
0: one. Don't miss that one. Yep. That's, coming, those, are the, those are the three
1: core meetings.
0: Yeah, coming from a married man. You don't yep. want to miss one. Um, on a completely different topic, I saw that you recently donated thousands of dollars worth of food um, to yeah. families and taught kids how to play both volleyball and cross net for the first time. Uh, where does this desire
1: to give back come from? We grew up poor as hell, bro. Like really poor, like food stamp poor. So like living in Miami, looking at a pool, talking to you, getting paid for it, like it's humbling, but also like a reality check of like we're doing pretty damn good. Uh we went over there, I gave this lady eighty dollars and it was literally all her money for the year, and she just broke down crying. And she reminded me so much of my mom. So like we were able to do something and make a difference. And, uh, I mean, it's such a small magnitude, but it was really, really, really rewarding uh, and cool to see. I mean, we went, we went places where kids were, kids had two T-shirts to their name. And so if we could go give them a CrossNet, give them some clothes, and, like, CrossNet becomes a, a part of their daily life because they need something to do, like, that's amazing. And, I, I mean, it, it goes into the, the mission of CrossNet becoming a global sport but it also impacts them into having a better day. So like, it's kind of a win-win, you know? Yeah. I have the chills hearing And that's uh, yeah.
0: really awesome. Appreciate it. Dude. Really, really awesome. Um, and then lastly, I see that you're always purchasing new products and showing off new products and discussing new products on Twitter. And yeah. I love that you're such an avid consumer and that you really stay on top of, um, culture and, and what's happening and, and trying new things. Um, so is that just something that you've sort of had inside of you your entire life, like always curious about what's going on or is that something that's developed now that you um are running your own consumer product business and then also I would just love to hear um what are your what are some of your favorite products? I know you did a very cool partnership um with a lotion business uh um, yeah black wolf yep so yeah I'd love to just hear
1: more about about this yeah it's it's cool uh. <sighs> It's cool having friends in the business, right? Like, um, I don't know that saying about like you are who you like hang out with, but like the people that you meet on Twitter, like other founders, they're, they're doing really inspiring stuff. And it's nice. It's kind of cool that everybody, uh, nobody's really in the sports space besides me, uh, which is kind of nice, where I feel like everyone's trying to make a seltzer or a, uh, a, a food and bed brand, right? So everyone's kind of cutthroat in competition where it's me, I'm just chilling with a volleyball net. But yeah, it's been, it's been great to, to make a lot of cool friends out there. Uh, as you start to make more money, it's fun to have investments and really eh, it, it, less about the 401k, more, hey, can I help somebody else out who in a few years might be able to return my money fivefold. So I'm going to try to do the VC route a little bit, invest in brands when I can. Uh, I think I've learned so much just from bootstrapping and not taking other people's cash on what to do and what not to do. So if I could save somebody a year's worth of headache or a few months of headache, like I'm going to try to do that, knowing that they'll probably pay it forward eventually. Well, we should try to find
0: uh, something to work on together. It'd be really fun. I mean, your insights are amazing. and I appreciate it, man. The story is amazing and, and very inspiring. And you know, I wish you guys nothing but continued success.
1: And and would love to, uh, yeah, would love to collaborate on some stuff. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. And uh, to your question, Tenzo Tea is my favorite tea in the world. It's a matcha company um yeah that's my currently number one and truff the hot sauce brand those are two. Oh, i love truff so now yeah, i need yeah. to try tenzo yeah tenzo's the best so
0: those are two of my my favorite products at the moment amazing i'm gonna buy some tenzo now my wife loves matcha so Good. it's uh that'll
1: be a win-win it doesn't taste like dirt it's the only matcha that you make <laughs> at home that doesn't taste like dirt <laughs> perfect well
0: I'll, I'll go buy a case you make sure uh you bring a case to your meeting tonight with the fiance yeah,
1: i got it 10 o'clock and
0: yeah, it was really, really great to chat. I appreciate your time. Appreciate it, bro. Stay in touch. Talk soon.